Hi there, how's it going? We all hanging in there? Welcome to episode two of The Great Discussion with Cody Crock. I'm Cody Crock. Today we have my friend Abon and we're gonna talk about video games. I'm excited to get to that, but let's try and keep some lights on around here. Boys, you ever wanna see a hot bot on Twitch.television? Look elsewhere. This guy talks drama and slugs his friends to play Toontown. Go to twitch.tv forward slash the Nate K TV for sexy gameplay and even sexier hats. Don't forget to use your Twitch Prime. Once again, go to twitch.tv forward slash the Nate K TV. Hold up with nowhere to go and nothing to do? Really wish you and a group of friends could be playing the card game Uno right now? Well, simply go to realcoolhippo.com where you and four other friends can play an easier, more fun version of the card game. Just create a new game, give your friends the game ID, and they can join the game from anywhere as long as they have an internet or data connection. Once again, visit realcoolhippo.com. Alright, now that that's taken care of, let's jump right into the conversation with Abe. We didn't go over what we believe to be the best games of all time or anything like that. We talked about our favorite games for specific moments in our lives. It was a great discussion. Hope you enjoy it. It was fun for us to take a trip down memory lane. Alright Abe, uh, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? I am doing lovely, Cody. How are you doing on this beautiful beautiful day doing doing fantastic so uh you wanted to come on and talk video games today yeah yeah i mean i uh i feel like that's something uh i know a a lot about it's been very personal to me for many many years so when you ask me you know what would i want to talk about i games seemed like the obvious choice yeah and i i feel like uh it shouldn't just be like your favorite video games of all time or like top five video games. I think we should just talk about specific video games at specific moments in our lives and what they meant to us, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes the most sense because, uh, you know, games there to me, like, you know, a game that was super important to me when I was like 12 is no longer important to me now. And like games are important for different reasons and like you're in different places in your life and stuff like that. So like, to me, any any of my favorite games, you know, that I've ever had, have been like tied to who I was or what I was doing around that point in my life. So I think that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So I feel like uh, you say a video game, explain it, and then I'll uh, I'll go after you, and then we just kind of take the conversation from there. So if you want to go ahead with your first video game, uh, we can get started. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my first one. Uh, as an absolute classic, Super Mario Brothers three on the uh, on, on the Nintendo Entertainment System. I think that game, uh, not my earliest video game memory, but it's like definitely my my biggest early video game memory. Yeah, it's definitely a classic. So I don't think I had a gaming console in my house until I was like the age of seven. Mm -hmm. Um, so like before the age of seven, like my video game playing memories is like sitting on my dad's lap while he plays doom on his computer. Um, Mm -hmm. I see a picture of that, I think. There's a couple pictures of the, uh, that I have of that. But anyways, besides that memory, I feel like every kid, if they didn't have a Nintendo entertainment system, they knew a kid who did. So mm-hmm. if I went over to someone's house, whether it be like a get together, a party or a sleepover or whatever, it was always Super Mario Brothers 3 or Duck Hunt. Um, those <laughs> are some of my earliest memories. So I'm definitely with you on that Super Mario 3. What is it? What does it mean to you as far as one of your first memories? Yeah. So like, like I said, it wasn't my earliest memory. Like I, I think one of my earliest memories at all is playing Tetris on, on the NES with my dad. Um, so I remember him saying that, like, I was watching him, you know, play Tetris, and I was like, that block has no place to go. And he said this, like, very philosophical thing about how, like, every block has its place. You just have to find it. And I don't, I don't remember 
uh, anything like similar to that with Mario. For me, it was more like, it, you know, if I was sitting around with my brother and my dad uh, doing something, it, it was probably playing Super Mario Three because like the first Mario wasn't like it was a, it was earlier for sure, but my dad had also played a lot more of it, so he was kind of burnt out on it. And uh, Mario Three was just like a super beautiful game like uh, just a really really good execution of this concept a really beautiful world like one of the prettiest games on the original nes for sure and then like yeah we we never were that good at it or you know capable of really beating it i think we tried with a game genie and stuff like that but uh i just have all these memories of like getting farther into the game and then like we would leave to go run an errand and we'd be like oh let's try to like set the the system perfectly still so when we get back it'll hopefully we can still play <laughs> but like the cat would like jostle it or something and the game would freeze and we'd come back and it'd be frozen and we'd be like damn it uh so yeah it's just like a lot of memories like that like a lot of things where i remember you know watching my brother and my dad play and for a long time i didn't really want to play i just wanted to watch which is kind of true to me now too like i, yeah. I don't play as many games as i watch other people play that that's what i was gonna say about that like it was a good game even though there wasn't like multiplayer. it's early in the 90s like multiplayer games weren't yeah. so pronounced but like it was a good game to play with the family because one person can play it everyone else could watch and still get just as much of enjoyment out of it and then yeah. you can just pass the controller to the person to your right and they can play and then you can watch. Yeah, so it, yeah. it was, that was probably the best game for that. Yeah, and even, like I said, compared to Super Mario Brothers 1, like, it, that game is a very similar game in essence, but not remotely as watchable, not as pretty. The worlds were, were so unique in Super Mario Brothers 3. It was just a really, really good execution of the idea. And, and there's a reason it holds up. Like, you can go play Super Mario 3 today, and it's still good. Like, it still is a fun game, and you can spend, you know, 20 minutes or an hour or whatever playing it, and, and you're like, it still feels really tight. Like, it, it has aged, but compared to other games from around that time, like, you look at another game that came out in whatever it came out, like, 89, and you're like, this is trash. Like, it's hardly playable, but uh, Mario holds up, and I, and I think it's partly the visuals of it and partially... Uh, just the fact that it's like just a good game and yeah it was very approachable my dad who didn't like games that much would would play it and then you know be able to do pretty well at it and us as like little kids could play it it's just a very approachable solid beautiful game yeah so i guess i should move on to my game here uh mine is going to be two games um mm-hmm. that came out in the same year uh i'm gonna put them out there because in my mind these two games started a mess so my two games that i'm gonna say here um it's gonna be madden 2000 and nba live 2000 um both games taught me how the games uh football and basketball are played as far as the rules and the and how the games are played it really gave me an understanding of how the leagues operated uh the teams the logos the players the contracts the salaries all that and I feel like those two games played a huge role in developing my uh, in developing my love for sports, whether it be playing, watching, or just following teams. Um, and it was one of the first, like Madden specifically, it was one of the first games like I'd be at school and I couldn't pay attention because mm-hmm. I just wanted to get home and play Madden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those like the, the sports games in my mind to you, like they've all, always been correlated to you like i i remember uh being over at your house as a little kid and i felt like you were always playing madden like i don't remember what version it was but uh, of everyone I've, I've known i felt like you had the biggest connection to that series of games so i think like yeah i i, I was never clear on where it started for you exactly but like it, it, these games have clearly been like a big part of your your identity for for a long time right and uh so I don't know how I got a copy of Madden 2000. My mom probably bought it for me or something. Like I just don't have that memory, but um I didn't I didn't get Madden 2001. Uh but then one Christmas I got Madden 2002 
And then ever since then, I've had every single Madden that's ever came out. Mm-hmm. So we're we're looking at, you know, like 17, 18 different iterations of Madden. Yeah. Yeah, that feels right. <laughs> Seems like every year you're hyped for the new version. And uh, I, I mean, I've never played any any of the Maddens. I've played some other sports and NFL games, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but like, I've never, you know, been a big realistic sports games fan. I think I, I played some of the NHL games and I could kind of get more into those, but I've never really been interested in the, the sports simulation games. Um, and I think they just never clicked for me because I don't have that interest in the real world sports. Um, but like, like I said, T- it, it's been clear that your connection to them has been really strong forever. Yeah, and, uh, so I guess that's all I have to say about those games. You want to move on to your next game? Yeah, so so my next one, uh, so like Super Mario 3, I was probably playing when I was like, probably like four to like eight years old was really peak Super Mario times. And then Super Mario 64 came out and I didn't play that until it was already kind of old. So I probably played Super Mario 64 in like, 2002 and then when it, it came out in like the mid 90s didn't it yeah it's probably 96 um and then the ds remake super mario 64 ds which felt well, i remember when that came out and this just shows you how childhood like time works to me super mario 64 had always existed and was just this like old game and super mario 64 ds came out which was a remake for the nintendo ds and that version I, I played a ton of, and that I felt like was like, oh, they're rehashing this ancient game, but it was actually like five years later or something. <laughs> it was not long after at all. Uh, the amount of time since that has been, you know, a magnitude more. But, uh, but yeah, Super Mario 64, I mean, obviously it's held in regard as one of the, the best games ever made. The, the 3D platforming genre existed you saw other things spyro or or these other games but like they were fine but super mario 64 kind of popped off and was this amazing really well executed version of the idea similar to super mario 3 right it was just like this is a beautiful game with this varied world and this interesting lore and like a whole a whole universe to to play in and and just a really good version of that so i remember I bought a copy. There used to be a video rental store next to the business my parents owned when I was growing up. And I bought a copy of Super Mario 64 from there. And it had like a save file that already had like a hundred stars. And like, cause you're a kid and you're terrible at video games. I like could not comprehend how to, how somebody could do that. I'm like, this guy's gotta be the greatest gamer ever. Um, but yeah, it's just like, the, the, when I started thinking about games more as games and they stopped being just like something my dad chose to have us do because we were bored and became more like, all right, like you are playing a game, you're interacting in this universe. Uh, Super Mario 64 and Super Mario 64 DS started, started being that. And I think that was the first time where I, I sat down and like really played a game all the way through and like connected with the world and the aesthetic and everything. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think again, like just like Super Mario 3, I think I could sit down and play this game today and I would, I would, I would get enjoyment out of it. If you were like, you got it, you, you hold the gun to my head and you're like, you got to play a game through all the way to completion. I'd be like, all right, I can probably do that with Super Mario 3. So let me, I was, I was going to ask you this. So mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever played Super Mario 64. Mm-hmm. So if I were to get a hold of it, would I enjoy it playing it today? I would think so, yeah. I, I like just because it's you specifically. I don't know, like, if it's a genre of game you'd really connect with, like personally. But as a game, absolutely. Like you can you can play that today, and it's just as fun. Like it, it completely holds up, and like Super Mario Three holds up, but like it's partially nostalgia. Super Mario 64 is just still a good game. So even visually, it still holds up? Like, obviously, the graphics aren't going to be as good, but... No, no. They're, they're simplified, for sure. But, yeah, I think you could play it in 
and, and have a good time with it. Just like if you went back and played like Madden from 2000. Like I think the only reason those games wouldn't hold up as much is because, well, obviously the player roster, but like you've played every iteration. So I'm sure there's like quality of life features and stuff that you right. really miss. But uh, Super Mario 64, you really did not ever have like, there's other 3D Mario games like uh, Sunshine or um, the, what was the newest one that just came out for Switch everybody loved? Uh, not Galaxy, but the most recent one. Like these are held in very high regard, but they're they're very similar games. Like you play them and you don't feel like there's, you know, it's like a newer version of these same ideas, but it's not just it's not like a whole new take on it. I don't know. So yeah, I, I, I think you could play it and I think you'd enjoy it. And I'd recommend it because it's a good game. I don't think it's like horribly long. It's probably like fifteen or twenty hours, and it's just very good. So my next game, or I know I'm cheating because like the next game is actually going to be three games, but there's a reason <laughs> behind it. It's a sports game, but it's not, and it's the first like non basketball football video game that I could play all, all the way through. I could understand what I'm supposed to do with the missions. And I actually beat the game. And that would have been uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 for the PS1. Um, it was really fun. Uh, it was really hard because I wasn't good at video games. But it was like the first game that I had beaten. There was multiple Tony Hawk games. So like the next Tony Hawk game that I really loved was Tony Hawk Underground uh, for the PS2. It had a very good story mode. I appreciate it a lot. I once I, I think I beat it in like six hours. Like I put it in when I first got it <laughs> and I just played yeah. it all the way through. Yeah, the games were not long. <laughs> but uh they were they were all really fun. And then uh I think it's uh Project Eight is what it was called for the PS3, yeah. where like you started out like there was like a list of a hundred skaters and you spent like the whole game trying to get in the top eight. Um there was amazing side missions. It was open world. Um, all, just all together, um, I really enjoyed those three video games. I don't know how many Tony Hawk games you've played, if you've had similar experiences. Yeah, I mean, the Tony Hawk games were ones... I, I, I don't think I ever played one all the way through. But obviously, like, Tony Hawk defines, like, a solid six years of gaming. Like, 2002 to 2008 was, like, Tony Hawk's fucking years and actually one of the games i'm going to talk about later is what ended up unseating tony hawk from like the pinnacle of skating games but uh yeah i definitely played them and i was aware of them they never quite connected with me and and the game i'll talk about later connected with me a bit more for just like mechanical reasons like i i thought the the you know details of how you played the game felt more right to me uh but like the Tony Hawk games are iconic. Like, I can still hear the sounds when you, like, completed a mission and, like, the music that was just, like, so clearly Tony Hawk music. Um, and people, you know, you still know, like, the warehouse level and stuff like that that people people still remember from, like, the early Pro Skater games. So, yeah, I never played them as much, but I they're clearly a super important part of gaming history. Like, they they did great and i think are largely why we still know tony hawk's name today like he's still doing fine but without the tony hawk series i think he would have kind of went the way of bam majera or these other pro skaters who we kind of remember but aren't really relevant anymore yeah and it's another one of those games where like you can get enjoyment out of watching so like on like, yeah, a, yeah. On, like a rainy saturday you could be at your friend's house sitting on his couch where he plays tony hawk and not be completely bored you can uh you can like give him shit because he's he hasn't completed a level you've completed yet and then you can show him how to do it um yeah so that was that was all part of the experience yeah or like i remember some of the early youtube videos i watched for like people busting out insane combos on tony hawk and like a hundred thousand point combos and stuff and just just craziness like that it was a a very skill-based game, right? Like, right. you can't go and do anything super crazy in Super Mario, or even, like, Madden, right? Like, you could pop off a good play, but Tony Hawk games were, like, if you're good, you could just do crazy, crazy stuff. That was super satisfying. Yeah, and it always felt like button mashing, but it really wasn't. Like, you had to really get on the combos, and if you're going to... Yeah, yeah, you had to know what you were doing. I think that 
trend. Like, it doesn't come up quite in my next game, but um, the trend of being, like, I want games that the difficulty is in, like, actually, like, like Super Mario 3, Super Mario 64, and Madden, these games aren't difficult. Like, they're, they're fun and they're an experience to go through, but they're not that hard. Like, being good at Tony Hawk, it's hard. Being good at, like, a lot of the games later in this in the series that I'll talk about, like, it's hard. And that's, like, I think the Tony Hawk games were the first ones where I started being, like, I like these games where the challenge is kind of what you make of it, and it's kind of, like, uncapped. So if you want to be really good at this game, like, you can be insanely good. You can't really be insanely good at Super Mario 64. Like, you can be better, but, you, like, the, the best you can be is, like, still just, like, in the world of Super Mario 64. So I think the Tony Hawk games are, like, my first taste of that style of game. And I always tell people, like, I play video games a lot, but I'm not a gamer, if that makes any yeah. sense, because I'm not good at video games. Mm-hmm. So, like, Tony Hawk, to the best of my knowledge, all the, all the Tony Hawk games I played, they had, like, certain level of difficulties, and I yeah. would always have to pick the easiest one. Mm-hmm. So whether it's like easy, super easy, or beginner, whatever it was called, that was what that was the difficulty I was playing on. Um, all my friends and my brother, you know, they would play on the harder difficulties. But like I said, I'm not very good at anything really, so <laughs> I have to I have to play at the easiest level on any video game if I want to get yeah. any enjoyment out of it. Yeah, and that's that's totally fair because those games are frustrating and, and very like technically difficult games when you play on hard levels and hard challenges. So like, I I, I get that, and and I think like uh, I I don't know if I've played many games on easier difficulties just because they like I tend to really like things that are challenging. But like I can I can understand that that makes a lot of sense. All right, so I guess you can go on to your next video game. Yeah, so the next one for me, uh, very pivotal, but not really indicative of future trends. So I I remember I bought a GameCube at some point. That was the first video game console I ever bought. And I don't remember what game I bought it for or why. I think I played like 1080 Avalanche on it, which was a snowboarding game, which I played a lot of on N64. Um, But after that, I bought, I fell in love with the game Kingdom Hearts. And... Uh, it came from your brother because he was playing it. And I bought a PlayStation 2 just to play Kingdom Hearts. And the Kingdom Hearts series is this weird mashup of Final Fantasy and Disney. It, it's really, honestly, pretty crazy that it exists. It, it's very out of left field thematically. Like, it's a, a very serious, like, sincere game, but, like, starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck mixed with like deep concepts of like souls getting stolen and and darkness and the world and islands and people dying like it's very tonally confusing um i've never played the game my kingdom hearts experience is just watching my brother play it yeah Um, and i I just remember, you know, it's just weird seeing like goofy with a weapon like killing people and, like, these really big, dramatic fights, like, huge versions of, like, you, you fight, like, uh, the shadow of Peter Pan, or you fight, like, a gigantic version of Ursula from The Little Mermaid or whatever. And it's, I mean, you buy it. Like, you're like, I, I 100% know I gotta kill Ursula, otherwise she's gonna steal Goofy's soul or whatever. And uh, it's it's a wild experience. And... Uh, so I, yeah, I watched your brother play it a bunch and then I picked it up because I was just like, this is absurd. And like this universe I want to be a part of and similar to, you know, some of these other games, they like kingdom hearts. I have these really clear memories of it where I remember the soundtrack and I remember the feeling and the mood I was in when I was playing it. And I like, I, I specifically remember like walking into Traverse town, which is the main city in kingdom hearts. And there's these little markings on the ground you can find that allow you to like open up secret areas and stuff and like finding those and like the excitement and the the mystery of this whole universe that existed. It was something that really, really connected with me. And I, you know, like I said, it doesn't, it's not indicative of a future trend because this is one of the only games I've ever played that was like this where I was like, 
this world sucked me in. Like, I don't normally play RPGs like this. I don't really like games that are, like, narrative-heavy. And I, I don't like any, anything like that, really. I don't like books or movies really that much at all. But, like, there was something about it that made me... It just it just really hit home. Like, the whole mystery of everything and the beauty of it, uh, it just really, really connected with me. And I was probably, like, 13 or 14 when I, when I played it. Or not even that, probably, like, 12. And, uh, you know, I can still feel it. I can still imagine some of the cutscenes and stuff. And I don't remember the details, but I remember how it made me feel. And uh, I haven't played it since. I didn't play any of the sequels. Um, I don't really care to, because it's not about that. I don't think they'd hit the same. But, like, kind of, kind of a similar thing to before. There's this beautiful world that kind of pulls you in. And, and I have these really distinctive memories of, like, what it felt like to exist there for a while. Yeah, and I just feel like for the time, it was probably one of, it was trendsetting in the fact of uh, visually speaking how it looked. Like you said, it, it, yeah. it's it's designed like a Final Fantasy game, but I would say it probably looked better than any Final Fantasy game that was out up to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it being absurdly beautiful, and I think the mixing of like, classic cartoon characters with this like Final Fantasy type world, it, it was just you know, that's kind of the theme here is like all these games I feel like are just really excellent executions of the idea. Like you could imagine a version of this game that didn't take itself as seriously. That was kind of like, oh, it's Final Fantasy, but we got Disney IP and we dropped in Mickey Mouse. And it would just be kind of bullshit. Like it would just be kind of like, okay, like that's a weird crossover. But Kingdom Hearts was so sincere. They're like, we are 100% in this insane crossover uh and that's what makes it beautiful and special is they like they totally were just like yeah we're doing it so i feel like i can uh, move on to my next game Mm -hmm. so i promise we're gonna get away from sports titles but there's just one more game i want to talk about and that's until we talk about my sports title down the road (laughs) (laughs) uh ncaa football 2004 um, I saw it being reviewed on X-Play. Shout out to one of the best shows of our childhood. Adam Sessler and uh, Morgan Webb. Yeah. Um, and it looked like a lot of fun. Um, so I went out. I think I like asked for it for Christmas and ended up getting it. Um, I just really liked it. You could... It was There's a lot of customization behind it that, you know, like the Madden games didn't have. So... Like you can create a school, you can create a coach, you can create a player. The customization of the school, you can set what city and state it's in. You can uh, crew, uh, set up a mascot so you can choose a mascot, fight song. So it's just for someone who likes sports, it was just a very new video game that I hadn't. It wasn't a video game experience that I've experienced with sports titles before. Um, so I really enjoyed it. It was super authentic. Um, I pretty much, there would be years that I would skip them, but I pretty much got every NCAA football game every year after that. Um, another cool thing, uh, they stopped doing it later on, but earlier on, you could, if you had NCAA football, um, you could actually export draft classes into that year's Madden. So that was also a cool little thing you could do. And I think the last, well, I think they stopped making NCAA football games in uh, 2014. And I honestly wish they would just bring it back and, and still have it be authentic. I know some developers have tried to come up with a, a college football game. There's been a couple of them that have come out since then, but they're they're not very um, realistic. They're not very authentic, and it's more like arcade-style type stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for someone to step up to the plate and make an NCAA football game again. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I have no familiarity with the NCAA games. I don't think I ever played them or looked at them. You know, I think the, I always assume the NCAA games are kind of just like cheap ripoffs of the main Madden NFL games. Um, and honestly, like when I think of it, I think of some of those other like uh, NBA streets and stuff like that, that I was like, these are weird you know, adjacent games. Um, but I, I had no idea that it was like a, a unique experience in its own. Yeah. So like different teams worked on them. So it's not like the Madden team just on the side made a college. Sure. Game. Sure. Like it was its own thing. 
with its own people in charge. Um, just that it was just really specifically speaking for NCAA football 2004. It's just extremely different. Like if you you could create a guy, let's say I made a quarterback and he was the quarterback of Wisconsin, and he had like a really good game one week. Like the next week, uh, every week there was like a Sports Illustrated. It was like kind of like you could open up a Sports Illustrated and read through a Sports Illustrated in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. So you'd actually read in like that copy of Sports Illustrated in the game, like what happened in the previous week in college football. So like if you created a guy and he was like playing good or had a good game, he would like be in that Sports Illustrated. And then just as a kid, that was just cool to see like your your name like in a Sports Illustrated. I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense to you, but it was just a little added feature that I thought was the coolest thing at the time. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, and like the little details like that, like you know, I think that's the type of stuff that they need to like, they need to know their audience. They need to know who they're playing to, right? Cause like if I was going to make a football game, I would not think that was a, a valuable feature, but like, you know, if you get sports fans in charge of these projects, you can, you can do stuff like that where you're like, okay, like this would be fun for someone who likes NCAA football. Whereas I would like never even think of it. And then another funny story, this came in uh, a later version so it's probably like 2007 2008 i don't think you'd be able to do this today but like if you created a guy and he was like a freshman in college like hadn't done anything yet in his football career college wise so like so you'd be in your dorm and there'd just be like things that you'd have in college dorms hello kitty there'd be like uh a picture that you would have of a girl and it'd be your girlfriend and she would be like chubby and ugly at the beginning but the better you played uh the more hot the girl got so like by the end of your college career like your junior senior year if you like won a heisman like you had a supermodel for a girlfriend that's fucking terrible <laughs> <laughs> that's awful but yeah, you, you, you understand why I said there's no way they would yeah. be able to do that today. 13, 13 years ago is pretty funny. Oh my god. I mean, it's funny, but yeah, not something you would see today. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's yeah. And I, again, like, the little features like that, I mean, like, once you're getting in around, like, 2004, that's when you started to be able to do stuff in games like that, that, like, wasn't exactly necessary. Like, they're like, right, we got, like, a little bit of extra space on the DVD. We can make a game that has, like, a joke like that in it, basically. Whereas, you know, pretty much before that, they're like, we got to fit everything of this game on a CD-ROM. So, like, we're going to, like, everything's going to be the absolute minimum. <laughs> and I feel like, yeah, around, like, 2004 and stuff, they started being like, all right, like, let's actually, like, put a little more flavor, a little more, like, small stuff like that in. Yeah, I just wanted to give X Play a shout out on the on the pod. That's a that's a show I definitely miss. And I think NCAA football two thousand four was probably like the first game that I like I watched them review and it's like I have to have that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean I remember dude, just G four in general as a kid. Very like I, I just remember being up like in the middle of the night and there'd just be like they'd be running trailers for just like Japanese games that made no sense. And it's just like that's wild, man. It's good content. All right, you want to head over to your next game? Yeah, so my next one is uh, Borderlands or Borderlands 2. I'll, I'll, I'll mix these, these two. So this game, I was probably 14 or 15 when these games hit. Uh, Borderland games are an iconic series. They're first-person shooters based heavily on collecting loot and different guns. And, and just kind of like very thematic, similar to Kingdom Hearts in a way, like when you're in Borderlands, you have like this world that you're buying into. And in Borderlands, it's this world called Pandora and it's very thematic, very stylized. The art is very like, you look at it and you're like, all right, this is Borderlands or this person is a Borderlands character. Uh, and, and, and like Kingdom Hearts, like that's really what sucked me in. Like the core mechanic of like, you kill something, you see if you get a better gun, uh, you know, you keep doing that forever. Like, that's that's fun and addicting, but, like, the world and, like, the coolness of the world is what, what drew me in. And there's a sequence. I don't know. Have you have you ever played Borderlands? I have not. The only experience I have is, like, I'd walk in the room and you and my brother would be playing. Yeah. Uh, but so the first game had one of the most iconic moments, by my definition, of in video game history, which is uh, you're, the opening credits are rolling and you're, like, on this bus 
that, uh, you know, you're like picking your character because there's like four people on this bus and you're picking which one you want to play as. And the bus, at some point, it zooms out and it runs into this animal, a skag, which is an in-game like wolf kind of thing. And it like splatters and that starts the opening cutscene. And it's basically this credit roll with the song uh, Ain't No Rest for the Wicked by Cage the Elephant playing. Right. And that song is a great song, but it's also just like the perfect moment, like the perfect song for this game, the perfect opening sequence. And it just got you so hyped. And I remember hearing that for the first time and, and just being completely sucked into this game. Um, and so, yeah, you, your brother and I played a lot of the first Borderlands. I think we played it like 12 hours straight the first day we got it. And then a lot of the second one. I never played the third one that only came out like last year. And by that point, there was a lot of weird drama around the company that makes them and stuff. And so I wasn't trying to like get involved with that. But it was just these beautiful universes again, like just so interesting. If you wanted an escape from the outside world, you could go into this other universe and just like screw around and, you know, go hunting or shoot stuff or like find, you know, you know, play these side quests or whatever. They kind of lost me as I get the world got bigger and bigger and they added more characters and more stuff. Uh, but th this was kind of the start of like social gaming for me. Like it, it, it had always been there. Like gaming had always been something that was important to me because of who I was playing with. Um, but it kind of took a little bit of a break with like Kingdom Hearts and Super Mario 64. But like Borderlands, playing with your brother, playing with my brother, that was when. I, I really started this theme of being like, all right, like games are something to be enjoyed socially. And I think I started to kind of grow out of independent gaming. Like I, I kind of started losing my attention span to sit and like play a big game on my own. But I would go and, you know, put a bunch of hours into something with a friend because it's kind of like a, you know, a, 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 a a backwash or a, you know a backsplash to like the, the actual experience with the person so I, me, I care about let me ask you this so like you said that when you first got it you guys played through it for like 12 hours straight was, mm -hmm. was this like back up in the attic with no air conditioning i think my memory is that it was in my old bedroom so we were like huddled around what i'm sure it was like a, a 12 inch monitor doing it but there was definitely a lot of borderlands played in that attic yeah um, sitting up on the, the two military cots projecting onto the wall. Uh, that was a lot of Borderlands too, for sure. Yeah, I remember that attic not being so pleasant if you were up there for longer than like two no. minutes. You were like, it, sweat was dripping down the brows of your like side. Yeah. So when you said you played 12 hours straight, I just wanted to think <laughs> if that was no. that in the attic. No, there was no temperature control in that room. And it was Wisconsin. You had about two weeks a year where it was the right temperature. Otherwise, it was extremely hot or extremely cold. But, uh, yeah, no, that was just our, our private space up there. But, yeah, no, it was not initial. That, that day was not up there. I don't think we had cleaned out that room yet. But um, eventually, it would, it would become the place where we played a lot of games. All right, so I think I can move on to my game now, too. Mm -hmm. So I just, uh, it's, uh, I'm cheating. I know I've been cheating this whole time, but I can't pick just one, so I'm going to go Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and Grand Theft Auto Five. Um, mm -hmm. I started playing the GTA games when GTA 3 came out, so we actually own a copy of GTA 3. Uh, they were all so much fun. Uh, they just kept getting better and better, each one that came out. Uh, Vice City was the first one I beat and played all the way through. Um, I don't really remember GTA 3 that much. I know I played it a lot, but I, I don't remember why I never got to the end of that game. But I think, I don't know if you remember, but like all the GTA games had amazing cheat codes. But if you put in a cheat code in the game, but then you saved it after you put a cheat code in, it would like corrupt the file and ruin the game. So like you couldn't play it anymore. So like the cheat codes were there for you to like put in and have some fun. But um, if you use the cheat code to beat a mission or whatever and then saved your game, they would punish you for it. 
So I think the the file on GTA three got too corrupted that it would like freeze every every like five minutes so it became unplayable. Um but yeah, and like I said, they just every every time they came out with another one, it just got better and better and better. Uh GTA five is obviously the most recent one. Um I've probably played it all the way through like four or five times. I'll just start at the beginning, play it through. Um I'm thinking about doing it again. It's just really fun. Uh, there's different ways the story can go, uh, different characters to play with, different characters to choose, um, and how their stories go. So I I just like video games like that. It's a super open world, open world video games I really like. I like video games that have storylines. So the, uh, the Grand Theft Auto games probably shouldn't have played them at the age I started playing them, but I'm too late for that now. I really enjoyed those games. Yeah, the GTA games, they're, they're a series I, I respect, specifically GTA V, for the technical complexity of it. And, and I did play it, and I, I remember enjoying it, but, like, they're, yeah, they're, they're insane. Like, they're, they're really, really unique games. Like, you don't see just, like, modern open-world games like that that are on that scale. A lot of games are like, oh, we're open, but they don't really hit the same um so yeah i i totally understand the the, the i mean and like people are still playing gta 5 that game still costs 60 bucks yeah it's still lit <laughs> like it's been five years people still love that crap and, and it's fair and the thing is my my idea of what an open world is is based off of gta so anytime like a game comes out and they say it's open world and then i play it i'm like this is an open world which it might it probably is open world but like my version of open world is gta 5 open world so anytime i play a game i'm expecting it to be that and that's probably not fair yeah no i agree it's i mean because insanely expensive game to make. like the bar is very high but like they did it well like gta 5 like the idea they were like iterating on and they're like the other ones are like normal open games but like gta 5 like it, it's kind of the, the super mario 64 of that genre where it's like yeah they just they got it right um, and they've continued to do well with it, which is great, because I'm sure GTA 6 is going to be just absurd when it comes out. All right, what do you got next? Okay, so I got three games left. Um, the next one is Skate 2. And so this one, this will, this will be a little bit of a shorter one. Skate 2 uh, is, is obviously a continuation of what you were saying about the Tony Hawk games. Um, and when Skate came out, it kind of upset the status quo that Tony Hawk was the skateboard game. Uh, and what, what connected to me more about skate was that the Tony Hawk games were very arcadey. Like you would like hit a button to do a move or like you'd be in a grind, right? And it'd be like, all right, like balance is perfectly. And it'd show you like a little dial that you had to like keep the cursor in the right place. Right. Um, skate was much more fluid. It, it made a lot of use of the second joystick to do like, Oh, if you like flung the stick in this way, you would do a kick flip or a, you know a, a heel flip or whatever. And it was just a very chill game. Um, and like you would go, and I just remember I was kind of getting to my life where I was like probably like fifteen, and I was in school a lot, and I was like you know trying to like deal with these bigger questions about like what am I doing with my life, like what am I trying to like. Accomplish, and so I was like needing it out. And there were two games for me that that did that at about the same time. And one of them was Trials HD, which was a very difficult motorcycle game. It's just like you just try to like get over obstacles. And one of them was Skate Two. And Skate Two, the amount of hours yeah. I've spent just sitting on the couch in the basement watching you play Trials, <laughs> I couldn't even estimate. Yeah, no, I don't know how much I played the original version of that, but it, it's just like. It really connected with me because it was just like peaceful. Like you just like it's like difficult to do, but like really chill. You kind of make your own goals. Like you're just like, oh, I want to be good enough. And like I, I was like definitely like a top ranked Trials HD player. And like Skate Two, I also I just spent a lot of time existing in the world. Like I remember coming home and being like, I just want to be in the world Skate Two. And it wasn't because it was interesting really, or that there was that much going on. It was just calm. Like I could go and like try to do a trick a hundred times until I got it right, or I could go and try to do, you know, what whatever I wanted to do, and I would just like skate around. And so like the main story was like fine or whatever, 
but like the the comfort in the controls and just like oh you got to move so I can just this way to do this trick or like you can go, like there was these glitch tricks where like you you could like uh, I forget what it's even called but you could basically flip the skateboard upside down and like grab it like you would like pinch the wheels in your feet so the board was upside down and you weren't supposed to be able to like do any flips or anything while you did that. But if you did it just right, you could grab the skateboard, do a flip, and then like flip the skateboard back over. And I remember just like practicing that for hours, trying to get the timing just right. See, and the uh, thing about uh, the skate games for me, like all the things you're describing is why you liked it is actually why I hated it. To me, it was too difficult of a game. Um, it was never press square to do this, press circle to do this. Like you actually had to do the move with your thumb. And I guess I just didn't have the patience you had to like get good at the game. So my my skate experience is not a good one. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I think that's why these are both great games. Uh this this started a trend for me though where I started I stopped playing games like Kingdom Hearts or Borderlands where I was like playing them for the universe and I started playing them more for mechanics and I started picking games where I was like you'd get in, you could experience them for like an hour or half an hour or whatever. And you would you would just have this like very technical, challenging, interesting experience with the game, and then you could walk away from it. So I was I became less interested in like the world of Borderlands or the world of Kingdom Hearts, and I became more interested in like these like drop in experiences, kind of almost arcadey experiences where you could just like walk up and play for a little bit. So yeah, I don't have that much more to say about Skate Two. Yeah, I, I, just like, it, it, but it started this trend of of going from like I care about the world of the game to like I care about the mechanics. All right, my uh my next game is obviously made by the same people that make Grand Theft Auto. Uh I'm going to go with Red Dead Redemption 2. So it's just basically GTA but in the wild wild west and who doesn't want to be a cowboy? Is that the entire thing? That's your entire entire that's, thing. And you're like, who doesn't want to be a cowboy? That's my pitch. No, I mean, it just, uh, it's probably what it does better. Well, it's probably about the same, but I think it's a little better than uh, GTA 5 in that you get more choices. Like GTA 5, like you get to pick certain outcomes, but uh, Red Dead Redemption, you really kind of get to choose a path your character takes, kind of like the old Fable game. And there's, but there's been multiple games out there like that, but you can either be a good guy or a bad guy. And you always start the game out being like, I'm going to be a good guy. But then you realize how hard it is. So you just be the bad guy and you kill everyone you come across. You rob everyone you come across. Um, So maybe eventually someday I'm going to play through and I'm going to be a good guy. But jury's still out. Yeah. So like I played the first Red Dead Redemption. I never played the second one, uh, even though I was really excited for it. And like I bought an Xbox just to play it. But by the time I, I did, I just kind of burnt out on these story-based games. But uh, I, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think when I was saying there was like, you know, that moment in uh, Borderlands with that opening soundtrack, there was a similar moment in the first Red Dead for me when you first get into Mexico and you have this like idea of scale of where you are and you're like you feel like you're in the desert in mexico like you have been like riding your horse forever to freaking get here and it feels like super um super real and so like yeah i never played red dead 2 but the the first one hit a bunch of boxes for me like it was a really beautiful experience so i'm sure one day i will probably play the second one enjoy it equally all right, you want to move on to your next one? Yeah, so my next one is The Binding of Isaac. Have you ever played The Binding of Isaac? I'm guessing you don't remember that you're asking me this question, but the only time I played that was when you were trying to teach it to me while we were on a plane to or from somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so Binding Isaac, the it's, it's an indie game, a little less known than any of the other ones I mentioned, but it's a roguelike rogue, rogue light game so basically you pick it up you explore a dungeon for an hour or so die you lose everything and you start over um it was one of the defining games in this genre it came after another game which really kicked off the whole thing 
it started as a flash game that was free on the internet and then they made a paid version that was much better and the paid version finding by degree but I, I would consider to be a basically a perfect game and, and again the theme here with all my games is like a really good execution of the idea just like the the idea that you you would run through a, a world and like pick up different items throughout this hour-long play and like they would mix in different ways you'd be like oh i got like explosive shots but i also got shots that have like gravitational pull and that would change how you had to play the game or you would get like five items that did this special combo or whatever um it's just like a really really excellent execution and this is probably one of the last games i played as an individual for any series of just like any amount of time like i this was a single player game and i and i played it a bunch back when i was probably like 18 or 19 uh but it, it started a trend like i started watching other people play the game because it's a very different game and i uh got in the habit of watching people play more than I actually played. And I kind of came back to what I was doing in my youth where I wanted to, you know, watch more than I experienced myself. But yeah, so this, yeah, this was, uh, this is, we're going back years ago. This is when, uh, my brother and I were actually roommates. And I remember I'd like walk past his room, his door would be open. He'd be playing, uh, the binding of Isaac on one monitor. And then he'd be watching, someone on YouTube played <laughs> yeah. Isaac the I'm, I'm pretty sure I did that too. Like, I remember, yeah, I remember stuff like that, for sure. And, and, and it's just like, yeah, it's one of those games that you're like, because there was so much lore and every run was different. It was very, very watchable. Yeah, there was just a lot of special about it. But and like I said, I think it was probably the last game I played as an individual. Like, I can't remember another single-player game I've put any significant amount of time in in the past, like, five or six years. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a beautiful game. Very, very well done. And the fact they made it twice was really interesting. They made the original Flash version, which was pretty good. And then they're like, all right, what did we learn? And they did the new version, and it just really hit the nail on the head. Um, and it's, like I said, what I consider to be one of the best games ever made. Definitely one of the best indie games ever made. And rightfully so, it was, was, was very, very successful. But, but yeah. So I, I think, do you have one more game, or are you... Yeah, I have one more game that I want to talk about. All right, hit me. So, obviously, your favorite games, um, they change over time. Um, but as of right now, uh, this is probably my favorite video game of all time. It would be Far Cry 5. Now, I've never been, like, a fan of, like, the first-person shooter games. Like, I've played many of them. I've enjoyed many of them. But I almost didn't even play this game because of it being a first person shooter but the storyline like i i like the storylines of all games i don't know if you're familiar with it but basically uh it's set in this town in montana i believe and there's like a cult leader and basically the cult takes over this county and you're like a sheriff's deputy trying to uh prevent this cult from taking over the county um so there's like three bosses which are like siblings of like the main bad boss um and then obviously you have the 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 main guy that you defeat at the end as far as like being fully immersed in a game i don't think i've ever experienced anything like it before like we're talking i got the headphones in i'm playing this game i'm staring at the tv and i'm just sitting on the couch for the next six hours just lost in the world uh, it's also probably one of the very few video games that i've played where i've actually been terrified like there's been moments in that game uh, where I was actually scared because there's like a, a scene in the game where like the, the female big boss she's like talking to you and she's like trying to prove to you that the cult isn't the worst thing and you should join the cult and like she had sold me I'm not talking about like my character like me Cody playing the game and watching it like I'm like if this was real right now I'd be joining this fucking cult and that's that's what scared me. Like the game got too real at moments. Huh. That's really interesting. Well, yeah, this is a conversation for another time, and I'm very pitch that, that sold you. She's just basically like everyone's against us. Why are you against us? All we're trying to do is save you. So come with sure. me, and you'll be <laughs> saved. That's funny. 
Yeah, so you have one more I game. One, I got one left, and this is the only game that's not basically in chronological. My final game, going back to your first game, same year, is NFL Blitz 2000. And I, I would go out and say this is my favorite game of all time by a wide margin. Um, I think I probably put more time into NFL Blitz 2000 than I have any other game. I, I don't know exactly how much time, but it's probably on the scale of like 300 hours. So what draws you? You're not really a sports guy, but what, no. what, what draws you towards this sports video game? So I think what I love about NFL Blitz is that it is it is a sports game in like name only, right? Like if you the the rules are different than real football, the experience is extremely arcadey. You're not like you don't care about who the players are. You don't really care about anything except like these very simple stats given to you for your team. And the gameplay is so visceral. Um, and I've, I've thought about this a lot over the hundred of hours I've, I've played it. And I, I think what it comes down to is that like the game does an incredibly good job of making sure no matter how good you are, uh, that whoever you're playing against, it's relatively equal. So I, there was an arcade cabinet in my office uh, that I worked at back in San Francisco. And that's how I started playing this game. And so, you know, one day somebody was like, yo, you want to come play the new arcade cabinet we have downstairs? And they're like, it's a good game. And I'm like, all right, if you say so. So I went down and we, we played a game. And I was immediately like, holy crap, like, this is, the, this is amazing. Like, the chaos, the like, the fact that it is very mechanics driven, like who you pass to, what you're doing, like it's not the same as like skate, but the movements and the control over what's happening on the field is like very technical and like right up my alley. There's no storyline to speak of. It's just like a 12 minute game where you have nothing in your mind except how do I outsmart the person I'm playing against. How do I get the best odds to make this throw and get down the field or whatever? Um, and yeah, so for basically the entire time I worked in that office, a couple of years, every day, 4 p.m., we'd go down and we'd play at least half an hour, so like at least two games. But it was one of those experiences that you don't get anymore. You know, you don't get to go to an arcade. You don't get to feel like shoulder to shoulder, like, oh, who has to use the awkward controls over in the fourth spot? Ooh, you know, you don't, you don't do this anymore. So it's just like this super sincere, honest experience. And we, we just played it so, so much. Um, and I just, I love the game. I love every aspect of it. I, I would play, I'd be hundreds and hundreds of hours in and I still see new things happen in the game that I'd never so seen So have before. you ever played it on a console, like whether it be an emulator or actually on a console, or is it only your only playing of this game is at the with the arcade cabinet? I, I have played the some of the piece some of the console versions uh, in different formats. Like we'd have like a play it or something. So we we'd get like the Dreamcast version or something. But ninety nine percent of my time is on the arcade cabinet. I remember so I I enjoyed it when I played it. Uh, we actually owned a copy for the PS1. And I remember the first time I ever played that game, like I literally had tears in my eyes. I was so frustrated. I, I hated the game because I was getting beat, highly competitive person. So I don't remember who I was playing, but we were in the basement and they were like just kicking my ass in this video game. And it's like, this is my thing. I'm supposed to be the guy that's good at the sports video game. Why am I losing so bad? And like I was crying. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. And like, yeah, yeah. So I had that same experience with your brother. I, I had acquired a copy of it accidentally. And he's like, I like sports games. Let's try to play this. And this was like a decade before I played the arcade version. And uh, I was like, okay, sounds good. And so we played a game of it. And by the end, he was just mad. <laughs> he was like, this doesn't make sense. These plays are horrible. Like, my guys won't hold on to the ball, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, like, exactly what you meant. He was just frustrated with it. And he was like, I don't want to play again. But I was like, this is great. Like, I didn't know. I, you know, I didn't really think about it. I was just like, but, like, I was like, that was super fun. And the way I remember it, obviously, it's been a while since I played. Like, in, like, the loading screen. So if you started a game, you choose your side. 
And then like in the loaded screen, there was like, like your opportunity to enter cheat codes. And this is like before the internet's around, but this is like before you like go on the internet and look for cheat codes. So like we would just be button mashing and hoping we would land on a combination that was a cheat code. And then it was really frustrated when the person you were playing got a cheat code and you didn't. And you were just basically like, fuck this game. I hate. But I mean, that was part of the experience. It was. Yeah. And we had, we had, we had that exact same thing. So the, the we work was a, a split cabinet between uh, NBC or NBA Showtime on MP, M, NBC and NFL Blitz. And so in order to fit both those games on the same board, they dropped a bunch of the cheats out. So any list you would find online about cheats for this game, what was wrong? Well, like, so we had to like trial and error, find the cheat codes, figure out what they did. And it's the same thing. Like you would like accidentally do a cheat code or something and be like, oh, no play select. And so it completely <laughs> changed the game. <laughs> this is just chaos, but you, you got to go with it. And yeah, every time you slam on buttons and, and hope to hit something. Like, I thought about getting a miniature version of the arcade for my house or something, just because I've, I've now hundreds of hours of good memories of playing this game with, with people I, I care about. And, yeah, I, I totally get the frustration. Like, I guess it balances the game a lot. Like, there's a lot of randomness that you just can't control, but that's kind of part of the magic of it is that, like, you can only get so good at it, and it's, uh, it's addicting and, and wonderful. And it's like a game that... I absolutely love it and will never exist again. Like yeah, that. but that's a, that's a key thing in video games that you don't get today is that like anyone at any level, they can be playing each other and the person who's played it three, 300 hours can actually lose to the person who's playing for uh, playing with it for the first time. Yeah, games today are, the games today are very competitive focused. They're always like, oh, how are we going to like, make sure people on the subreddit aren't mad? But the focus on old games where they're like, no, we just want the two people standing there to have a good competitive time uh, really changed the dynamic. Like I, I like I played Fortnite one time because I, I dropped in on the map and I didn't kill anyone. I didn't build anything. I didn't find anything. And I died. And I was like, well, how am I going to get good at this game if these people all have 100 hours in it? Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, and they're set up to be fair, but you know, one of the things in NFL Blitz that happens is it's very rare. I don't know how often it happens. Maybe I don't know one in like two hundred plays this happens. But uh, if your quarterback has the ball and he's going to throw, and the situation's just right, and somebody goes to sack you, the player just ducks. Like <laughs> it's not it's not likely, and you don't control it. You don't hit any button. There was just a chance that he ducks. And that type of stuff, and people would be so mad about on, on the internet. But it's part of the magic of the game is, is that it, it wasn't about being fair or accurate, making this experience that was, that was magical in some way. So I actually talked to someone last summer that actually works on the Madden football game. Because um, I went to high school with them, and I was basically telling them like, you need to add more randomness to the game. Like, they're like when you're kicking field goals or punting, like you need to have a long snapper snap the ball incorrectly, and the ball goes over the head of the kicker or punter. And uh, his explanation to why they would never do that is, well, we have so many people play each other and in competition, and in those competition, money's on the line, and it would really stink if you lost a game and lost out on the cash prize because when you went to kick a field goal, the long snapper snapped the ball over your head and you ended up losing the game because of it. And I was just like, but, I mean, come on, add some randomness to the game, make it a little fun. Yeah, I mean, that would happen in real football, right? It, it really sucks if you miss a, like a yard field goal. <laughs> like, it happens, though. And uh, that's the stuff that, like, when it happens, you're like, oh, my God, you get so overwhelmed. Or, like, just the crazy stuff that happens, like, one in, like, whatever, 100 passes in NFL Blitz is just an amazing pass. And, like, one in 100 is terrible. Like, it's not even close. They just miss. And it's funny and it's fun and it's, uh, you know, you take the game just seriously enough that you care, but you're not, you know... 
it's just, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of magic in that game that, that's been lost by trying to focus on competitive scenes in modern games. So do you have like any other games, like honorable mention type stuff that you just want to bring up real quick or is that about it for you? I, I feel like that's pretty much it. Like those games are pretty, a pretty strong definition of my, my history with games. And I think like, you know, especially NFL Blitz has really defined the last like five the type of games I want to make and the type of games I want to play. And and they're so rare and, and beautiful. And I, I think that pretty much pretty much sums it up. Um, All right. Well, God, man. That was a good, good talk. Good talk. Good conversation. A lot of nostalgia. A lot of reminiscing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. All right. I'll have you on again sometime and talk about something else, all right? All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks for the chat. All right. Have a good one. So there it is. Man, that was a lot of fun. We probably could have talked all day about so many other video games, so I hope you enjoyed it. Be on the lookout for next episode. And lastly, I decided to give Twitter another chance, so go ahead and give me a follow and talk to me there, at Cody Crot. All right, folks. This has been The Great Discussion with Cody Crot. Until next time. Bye.